I feel like in my mind and when I prepared this, I feel like, you know, this would have been the altar call, but maybe God wanted that first. Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll have another one. We'll just let God have his way. Amen. Thank you for uh, all that you do. Book of Judges, the second chapter. Judges 2, verse 21. I will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein, as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. Amen. So it's God didn't drive everybody out. He left people there. He left ungodly nations there around Israel for a purpose. Man, I want to preach to you today briefly for this moment on this title, Sink or Swim. Sink or Swim. Why don't you turn to somebody and ask them, are you going to sink or are you going to swim today? Amen. You may be seated. Earlier this summer, since the world was quarantined and there was nowhere to go, Taylor and I signed the girls up for swim lessons. Amen. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> she's, she's right there with me. I love Sister Cheryl. Um, We've always wanted to do that, but it's just a matter of getting around to do, uh, to do that. But in June, we really had no reason not to. So we, we, we signed them up for swim lessons. Plus, it's an, it was an opportunity for all of us to get out of the house every day because those walls seemed to be closing in on us, on all of us. And each, this is, it was amazing, each swim lesson was only 10 minutes long. Ten minutes a day for five days a week for five weeks. And voila, the girls are better swimmers than I am. Don't worry about them. I'll be the one sleeping at the bottom of the deep end. You don't got to worry about them. It was fascinating to watch them learn the fundamentals of swimming. And while the girls had just turned four, they were actually some of the oldest kids that this instructor was teaching. The instructor starts training children as young as six months old. Six months old, and they're in the big pool swimming. I was drowning in milk at six months. And these infants are swimming in a full-size swimming pool. It's unbelievable what can be done. While the, what, what, what they taught these infants was you swim for four seconds, and then you roll over and you rest on your back. You float on your back. Do you catch your breath? You get your strength back. Uh, and then you turn around and you resume swimming. And their final exam is that they had to wear regular clothes with their shoes on and get in the pool and still swim. Because as you know, when kids fall in the pool, they're not, they don't have their swimsuit on. So that's the final exam. If you can swim with your clothes on that you would probably fall in with and, and you pass, then you're going to be good. Uh, and so um, now we're so proud of the girls that they graduated. Now I have to work on keeping up with them in the pool. 
uh, because they're such better swimmers than I am. And so swimming is no easy task. Once you're in the water, you either sink or you're going to swim. Those are your two options. You can tread water, but that only lasts for some time. Uh, those are your two options. And if you don't want to be presented with those options, then you'd stay away from the water. On the other hand, some people are born for the water. On August 29th, 2006, a man by the name of Veljeko Rogosik swam across the Adriatic Sea. Swam across it. I get tired swimming across the pool. This man swims across a sea with a capital S, Adriatic Sea. 139.8 miles he swam. 139.8 miles. It took him 50 hours and 10 minutes to swim. He also set a world record by doing that, and if he didn't, he deserves one anyways. I can't even do that with a kayak. And this man swims. You know why I can't do it with a kayak? Because I can't sleep on a kayak. And this man swam for two days. You either sink or you swim. If that isn't fascinating enough, let me ask you, how far can you swim with handcuffs on? Yes, handcuffed together, not in the back, but in the front. I don't know how far I can swim, but I'll be able to tell you how deep it is. But a woman set a world record by swimming 3.41 miles in handcuffs. 3.4 miles in handcuffs. Sink or swim. I'll take sink for $300, Alex. And there's a whole list of, of records and accomplishments of people in the water because swimming feats are quite impressive because swimming is not for the faint of heart. When you're in the water, you have resistance all around you and you have this pressure, this force that is working against your body and the stronger one is going to prevail. And water will win most of the time. If not initially, then it will win in the long term. Because you and I were not made to live in the water. I, I know there are people out there who think that we came from the ocean, but they have a whole lot more faith than I do to be able to believe that. So when I get in the water, it doesn't feel natural to me. It, my skin starts to swell or puff up or wrinkle, whatever you want to call that. Um, I, I just know that that isn't normal and, and that enough, that's enough evidence for me to know and to believe that I don't belong in the water and that, that I didn't come from the water. I choose to believe the word of God and it says that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Dry ground is where we came from and dry ground is our domain. That's where God has placed us. And I don't know about you, but I get a little worried when the ground beneath my feet begins to shake. And it's not solid. It doesn't feel normal when, when you're in the water. All it takes is for your foot to brush the leaf of seaweed. And you become a Jesus Christ lizard. You start running across the water. Go and look that up if you don't know what that is. It's a real lizard. He runs on water. 
a Jesus Christ lizard. That's all it takes is a brush, not of angel's wing, a brush of seaweed. And you start moving. As a born-again believer, I, I can't tell you how comforting it is to know that I can put my faith into something that is not going to change. That I can stand upon the solid foundation that the Word of God provides. I don't have to worry about my feet being shaky or slipping or falling, but I can stand upon the Word of God because He's brought us out of a horrible pit. He brought us out of that miry clay and He put a new song in our mouth and a praise on our lip. Isn't He worthy to be praised? Doesn't he deserve our praise and our worship where he's brought us from, where he's planted your feet in the place that he's preparing for you? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He deserves our praise and our glory. Ephesians 2 says, But God, who was rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, for by grace are we saved. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. He's not going to let you sink. He's not going to let you drown in his arms. It doesn't matter how deep it is. God's arm is not short that he cannot reach down and grab you. He can reach you and pull you out of any situation, of any trial, of any storm, of any pain, no matter what you're facing, our God is able to reach down and grab you out. The only sinking that should be happening is the sins of your past. Micah tells us he will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. That's the only thing that should be sinking in our life is our past sins. And so when a devil tries to resurrect your past, you need to tell him, why are you bringing all that up? God cast that into the sea. God let those things sink. And so if God let them sink, they have no business being brought back up. Only God can bring them up if he sank them. He took the sins of our past and said, you don't need to worry about those anymore because they are under my blood. Aren't you thankful that God saved you and that he let your sins sink and not you? He, he let you, he delivered you, he pulled you out, but he left your past. He let that sink because that was no good. Another thing that should sink is the enemy's plans for you. Not your plans, not what God's plans are for you. Those things shouldn't be sinking, but the plans that the enemy has for you. Because when God was delivering Israel out of the bondage of Egypt to the people of God, the people of God passed through on dry ground, but not so much for Pharaoh's army. No, what happened to them is, is God buried them at the bottom of the Red Sea. They sank at the bottom like as a stone because God says, what the enemy has for you, I'm going to go ahead and drown that out because I've got something greater for you. That bondage that you're dealing with, that should be at the bottom of the sea because the people of God, God pulls us out. He delivers us. We should not be sinking, but we should be swimming to where God has taken us. The only things that God wants to sink into the sea is your sins and the enemy who is pursuing you. 
That is all. The people of God are not destined to sink. God wants us to swim and swim through that trial, swim through that storm, and reach for that other side. If you haven't reached yet, keep on swimming. Take another stroke. Keep on kicking. Keep on paddling. Keep on going until you reach where God has called you to be because with God's hands, he's not going to let you sink. Now that God delivered his people from Egypt, they passed through the Red Sea and eventually into the Promised Land. It's time to put the bathing suit into the church rummage sale, right? Because no more worrying about sinking or swimming now that the people of Israel have passed through the waters and they are in their own Promised Land, right? That's what we would think. Once God has brought us out, we don't got to worry about that anymore. Judges 2.21, our text, I will also not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. When they moved into the promised land, there were still enemies around them. They didn't, they didn't kill everybody. They didn't destroy everybody. There were still people there, uh, different nations surrounding them, and God says, I'm not, doing, I'm not driving them out. I'm leaving them there. There were still ungodly nations living in and around the promised land, and God says, I'm not driving them out. I'm not getting rid of them because the threat from the enemy is still there. Israel, there is still a clear and present danger to look out for. Why? Why would God allow this to happen to his people? Don't you want your people to live in paradise? Don't you want the best for them? Who you, you can easily smite and drive out all of the enemy and there will not be a, a trace of any one of them left. But you said, God, you said that you wouldn't. Why would you do that? Verse 22, he says that through them, through those wicked and ungodly nations, I may prove Israel. Whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Israel, I'm not going to remove all of the enemy because I want to see if you're going to keep my ways. I want to see if you're going to do what you say you do and what you talk about doing. I want to see if you're actually going to walk in my ways. Will you uphold righteousness or not? I kept them there to see if you will stand for truth or if you will let it get diluted and watered down by the ungodliness around you. I did all the heavy lifting. I delivered you from the impossible situation that you were in in Egypt. I brought you out, and I fed you, and I provided for you, and I prepared a place for you. And now that you are there, now that you are there, it's time to see what you're made of. It's time to see, Israel, if you will sink or you will swim. It's time for you to get in the water and see what you're made of. Because I know that you want to live in a world where there is no adversary, where there's no evil, where there's no temptation, where there's no struggle or no pain or no heartache. But unfortunately, we don't live in such a world. Our ancestors did live in such a world. 
Adam and Eve lived in a world of perfection, the, the, the world that you and I want to live in. They already lived in there, but they didn't stand for righteousness. They didn't fight for truth. They, they didn't keep God's ways. And in a perfect world, Adam and Eve did not swim. They did not fight against the current and the pressures that appeared in their life. Instead, in a perfect world, Adam and Eve sank. And that's what we want. We want to live in a perfect world. But the truth is, is that we won't even get close to seeing a perfect world in this life. But in the next life, perfection awaits. And that's the hope that gets us through this storm. That's the hope that keeps on getting us to our knees and praying and and seeking the face of God. Because we know that this world is not perfect, but we know that there's one that is waiting for us. As long as we keep on swimming and persevering, we will see that. But God is not going to just drop humans into a perfect world. He already did that. Your turn is, is not happening. Sorry. I know you said, yeah, sitting on your couch, yeah, I, I would have I told the serpent something else. We all say that from the couch. But we're never going to get really that opportunity. I mean, we do, we do now uh, in a different aspect. But uh, living in the perfect world, God's not going to drop any more humans in there because it's already, it's already proven it's not going to work. So instead, God places us in an imperfect world. A world full of sin, full of pain, full of heartache, and he watches us to see if we're going to sink or if we're going to swim. That's what salvation really is, wrapped up in a bubble. You're going to sink or swim in this world. And if we will stand for truth now in a world full of error and deceit, then there is no question that we will stand for truth in a perfect paradise. If we can swim down here where there are these currents and waves of despair, where there's storms full of sorrow, where there's winds of false doctrine everywhere we go, if we can swim down here, then paradise is going to be paradise compared to this life, that we don't got nothing to worry about, as long as we keep on swimming down here. And so that is why God said, I'm not driving them out. But I'm going to leave them there to prove you, Israel. If you want to put these on a numbered list of reasons why God left Israel surrounded by ungodly nations, and we can make a short list real quick. Number one, it was to be a reminder to Israel about where you came from. Remember, when you see the sin and the idolatry and all the wickedness around you, remember that that is the world that I delivered you from, that you were bound in Egypt. You were servants to a sinful culture, but I brought you out of that. I delivered you from all that, from that godless world. And so when you see those Canaanites and when you see those Amorites, when you see all those other idolatrous nations, remember that is where you came from. And keep on swimming. And don't let them sink you. Number two is I, God left those people there to be an example of what not to do and who not to be like. Because they were not of 
this world. They were not like the people of God. They were a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? That they should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so when you see the ungodly people around you, don't be like them. Don't dress like them. Don't act like them. That's why they're there to be an example. You are to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness why would you mimic and be like someone who is sinking in sin why would you want to be like somebody who's sinking and drowning in sin why would you want to look like them and dress like them and act like an ungodly sinner who is drowning in this world full of sin why would you want to be like that someone who's sinking in despair and sinking in sorrow doesn't matter what kind of fads or whatever's popular. The people that are drowning are creating these fads. Why are we going to follow that and say, oh, I need to wear that and do that? No, they're sinking. We need, to, we need to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We have our own lifestyle. We have our own life jacket. We have our own a, a robe and apparel. We have our own things. Why? Because we are different from the world, and the people around us are to remind us, hey, we don't need to be like them because we're not like them. We are citizens of another world. How is that a good example to, to follow I, want to, so, uh, I don't want to follow somebody who can't swim. I'm not going to trust them. Up. We'll, we'll see how they're swimming in the water, and we'll see if I get in after them. I may have to go in and save them, but I'm not going to follow them when they say, hey, let's go swim to the other side. Well, you get, you get going. We'll see how good of a swimmer you are because if you're not a good swimmer, you're going to be trying to jump on my back. And I have a hard enough time swimming. Especially in this life, why do I need any extra weight? We need to get rid of the weight. That's so easily beset up. Stop carrying around all this stuff that is not supposed to be on our backs. We're supposed to cast our cares upon him and let him carry the weight. Why? Because we're on a mission. We got to swim. We got to keep on going. We cannot give up because we are not going to sink. God's going to bring us through. I want to follow somebody who knows how to swim. I want to follow somebody who knows how to swim through these troubled waters. Someone who doesn't waver and get carried away in the currents of this world. I want to follow uh, the good swimmer. I want to follow after Jesus Christ because he's the one who jumped in and he showed us the way. He showed us how to swim, where to go, how to stay above water, how to paddle through this life, and how not to sing. That's who we're going to follow after. The third reason why God left those ungodly nations surrounding Israel is to keep Israel running back to God. When the enemy comes against you, just cry out to me and I'll be there to help you. When you're surrounded and outnumbered, I will be there for you to fight with you and to fight for you. When you can't handle the pressures of life and the currents of the culture around you is sweeping everyone and everything away, just call on my name. Just call on my name and I'll be right there. I'll provide a place of escape. Just run to that strong tower where you can rest and recover in my presence. But I will be there for you. 
That's why they're there. So that you can keep calling and keep running back to me. Musicians, if you would come. But what did, what did Israel do? In regards to being surrounded by these ungodly nations, what did Israel do? Instead of remembering where they came from, they forgot. There arose a generation who knew not the Lord, nor the works which he had done for Israel. Instead of looking at the ungodly people and saying, wow, we're not from here, we're from a different place, God brought us out, God did all this stuff, instead of doing that, they just forgot what God had done for them. And, and instead of maintaining separation from them and upholding standards of holiness, uh, they became like them. And they dressed like them and they acted like them and they went where they went and they enjoyed in the pleasures that they, uh, they enjoyed. And, and instead of running to Jehovah, they forsook the Lord and they served Baal and Asherah. Instead of conquering their enemies, they compromised with them and made them pay, pay t tariffs and give them tax money. And they signed treaties and they intermarried with their sons and daughters. God didn't drive out those wicked nations because the, the adversity in your life will either save you or steal your salvation. The adversity that's in your life is either going to save you or steal your salvation. You're either going to sink or you're going to swim. That storm that's in your life right now will either draw you closer to God or draw you further away from Him. Those are the only two options you have. That storm's either going to cause you to swim or you're going to start sinking because you're going to give up and give in. And that spirit that keeps troubling you will either draw you to your knees or it's going to pull you out of here, pull you away. Because the adversity in your life will either, the, the adversary in your life, you will either conquer him and defeat him or you will compromise with him and you'll think everything is fine as he steals your salvation because you compromise and you made a treaty with the adversary of your soul COVID-19 it's either going to save your soul it's going to steal it it's either going to save your soul it's going to steal it Either you've been drawing closer to God since then, or you've been getting complacent and getting distant from God. Those are the two options. COVID-19 is either causing you to swim faster, or you're sinking faster than you even realize it. You're either getting closer to God or drawing further away. It's either going to save your soul, or it's going to steal your salvation. The things that we face in our life is either going to cause you to sink or swim. And we have a list of reasons. We have a list of excuses why not, why we don't, why we can't. We all have our lists. If you want to compare lists, we all got long lists. We can justify and rationalize all day long while we try to tread water and compare notes. But when we have a promise like this that is found in Isaiah 43... 
But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he formed he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by my thy name, thou art mine, and when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And see, when God gives us a promise like that, it really all comes down to this. You're either going to sink or you're going to swim. Due to the things that you face in your life, you're either going to sink or you're going to swim. We all face different things, different times, different trials, different giants, different devils. We all have our own battles to face. You start comparing yourselves with one another, that's not wise. You get distracted and you'll get pulled under. And so the things that we face in our life, are they going to cause you to sink? It's going to cause you to swim. That relationship, sink or swim. That argument that you had, sink or swim. That family member, sink or swim. That trial, sink or swim. That disease, sink or swim. That storm, sink or swim. I don't know about you, but I've made up my mind. I'm going to keep on swimming. No matter what this world throws at me, I'm going to keep on swimming. No matter what happens, I'm going to keep on swimming. And when I get tired and when I get weary, I'm just going to roll over on my back and take a breath and call upon the name of the Lord, and he's going to give me the strength to keep on going. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He's going to comfort my soul in the face of this current situation. He's going to give me peace in the midst of all this pressure. We are not the people that sing, but we are those that swim and keep on swimming. We stand with me today. In all these things, Paul tells us, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. You know what a conqueror is? A conqueror is somebody that doesn't sink. A conqueror is somebody that doesn't swim and sink to the bottom. A conqueror is somebody that's swimming. I've made up my mind. I'm swimming. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to fight back against these pressures, against the currents of this world. A conqueror is somebody that swims the Adriatic Sea if he has to. A conqueror looks around in his life and this is what he says. This is what a conqueror says. We're troubled on every side but not distressed. That's a conqueror language right there. We are perplexed but not in despair. I'm going to keep on swimming. Persecuted but not forsaken. I'm going to keep on swimming cast down yeah it doesn't feel good but I'm gonna keep on swimming why because we're not destroyed that's a swimmer right there that's a conqueror right there we are swimmers and we are conquerors 
But Paul says, Paul says, we're more than conquerors. More than conquerors. And this only applies, of course, to those that have been who've repented of their sins, who've been baptized in Jesus' name, been filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and you can't stop speaking in tongues. If you've done that, then Paul's going to say you're more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. But what is that? What is that? What is more than an Olympic swimmer? How can it be more than that? Someone who's better than somebody that's swimming through the waters. How can it be better than that? If a conqueror is there swimming, and we are more than that, more than conquerors are those that are walking on the water. We're the ones walking on the water. That is more than a conqueror because we can pass through the waters. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You know what tread means? Tread means it's under your feet. Tread means you're walking on it. Tread means you're walking on the water. Walk over that depression. Walk over that sickness. Put that fear under your feet. Stop wrestling with that addiction. You're more than a conqueror. Stand up and rise up and tread upon that addiction in your life. Go ahead and put that under your feet. When the enemy, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard against it. You know what? He's going to lift up those conquerors and those more than conquerors. Those that are able to rise above our afflictions. Rise above the enemy and put them under our feet. Come on. Why don't we do that as we close out this service? We need some water walkers in here. Why don't we begin to tread? Tread on serpents. Tread on scorpions. Tread on those devils in our life. Come on. What is it that you're facing? Go ahead and put them under your feet today. Come on. Let's worship the Lord. Let's no walk on water today. can be called We're more than conquerors today. No other God not can give me, be devil. called a friend. Get under my feet, devil. No other God oh. can be called redeemer. We're going to make it. We've got the victory. No other God's coming back again.
time together we say glory to Let's shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Come on, we are more than conquerors. We're not going to sink, but we're swimming. We're going to walk on the water. We're going to walk over the devil. Walk over that sickness. Walk on that depression. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We have the victory. And we have God on our side. There's no reason for us to drown. God's promised He won't let it, the waters overflow us. The only way that, way that happens if we allow it to happen. God's reaching His hand out. All we got to do is reach up and grab it. Amen. As Before we close, um, I want to have Brother Little Andy come up, and he has something that uh, he wants to lay, share with us. Hello, my fellow saints. So, um, what I've come to share with you today, the Lord has put in my heart. And um, I don't know if a lot of you guys have heard about what's going on with uh, people in high places and with the trafficking of the younger ones. Well, last night I had a dream and uh, I was sleeping and I seen three women in this dream. But they were not normal people. Something, the, the unctioning I felt with these people were not of God. These people were walking with a younger child on, onto, into an airplane. And the thing was that the, right before I fell asleep, I was praying to the Lord with the most joyous heart that I've ever felt. With such, with such pureness of love for the Lord just to pray. And when I fell asleep, he took me to that place. And when I seen what was happening, I stuck my hand out to reach for the little girl to tell him, no, that you cannot do this. And I was attacked. I was literally punched in the stomach in my sleep. I woke up like someone just punched me in my stomach. And I woke up immediately. I went to my father and mother and I, I, to I told him what happened. And what it is is that I've come to understand that these people are in high places. These people practice witchcraft. They attempt to imitate the slain lamb. They cannot do and imitate. So they do whatever they can in the power to recreate the blood that our Lord has slain for us. So today the Lord told me that we need to go to war. It is time. That we go to war. You know, I asked the Lord for a confirmation. And today, Sister Bruce was passing out the pamphlets. And the Ephesians verse, it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of high places. These are people in high places. But the thing is, is that I can't, I can't go to war alone. I can't go to war alone. So I was wondering if everybody at 3.33 p.m. for only five minutes pray, pray with me 
No matter where you're at in your day, pray against these things. They are trying to hide these things that they will come to light, that they will be shown to the world so that we may know that darkness is there. And I know that if Gideon fought with only 300 men, they were not filled with the Holy Ghost. Imagine what 50, 60 apostolics can do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're, we're at war, folks. We're going to bind together. Why don't, as, we, as we close out, why don't we pray? Pray against these spirits, these wickedness. In the name of Jesus, we come against you. In the name of the Lord, these wicked and unclean spirits. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. You have no authority over the people of God. In the name of Jesus, we bind your hands. We bind your feet. We bind your influence. We come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're declaring victory. We're united together against the forces of darkness. Hallelujah. We pray a hedge of protection over Andy in the name of Jesus that you'd watch over him, Lord. We're believing. Amen. We're believing for victory. Amen. We will have victory. If we're willing to fight, God will give us the ground that we're willing to tread upon. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.